1: Mr. Walker? I am extraordinarily busy, sir. Uh, I just wanted to ask about the chocolate. Uh, the lifetime supply of chocolate for Charlie. Well, when does he get it? He doesn't. Why not? Because he broke the rules. What rules? We didn't see any rules, did we, Charlie? Wrong, sir. Wrong. Under Section 37B of the contract signed by him, it states quite clearly that all offers shall become null and void if, and you can read it for yourself in his photostatic copy, I, the undersigned, shall forfeit all rights, privileges, and licenses, hearing and hearing contained, etc., etc., fax mentis, incendium gloria calpum, etc., etc., memo bis punitor delicatum. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. You bumped into the ceiling, which now has to be washed and sterilized, so you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.
2: Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman here. Welcome to the main event. That's a powerful clip from, uh... Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory from uh 1922. I think it might have been 1970 something, I don't know what year that was. I was a kid. Uh and it and it made a big impression on me way back when. Well, really really a couple of couple of days ago when some somebody used it for something else. I go, man, that's a good clip. How come I never used that one? You know what? And how do I tie that into what's going on? You know what? All the chatter of what's going on in this country. They're talking about Russia. They're talking about Melania's dresses. They're talking about stupid stuff. You know what? Bottom line is facts. we got an independent council going after our president. And they have no evidence whatsoever of any Russian collusion. And everybody's got are up in arms about it. But we got lots of facts about Hillary Clinton. And they're not doing anything about it. Yet. Yet. I'm excited about that. But anyway, you know, it ties more into my that ties more into my Comey Comey thing that we're gonna do in the second half of the show. But I just got that in my head. I was gonna use that clip, and I said, you know what, I'm gonna use that clip. I'm tied in somehow. Cause it's so cool. You touch the ceiling, it has to be washed and sterilized. You lose. Guess what? These are the facts. You do you know, you don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Don't uh, you know, if you can't uh if you can't pay the price, don't pick it up. Okay, anyway. So we're going, to talk about, we're going to talk about everything that's going on in this country, we're going to talk about everything that's going on in the world actually this, this week, and we're going to bring you up to speed and teach you how to think about it. But anyway, we're going to talk about what's going on in this country, in this world, and, uh, and tell you how to think about it, but before, I, before we begin, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located in Southern California, offices all over the place, servicing California, Arizona, a few other little states on their way. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities out there and you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020, one last time, day or night, toll-free area code, 855-640-2020. If you want to talk to me or you want to get some information but you don't want to talk to me because I sound so mean or because you don't want... Talk out loud and have your neighbors hear what's going on. Or maybe you're just a millennial and you just don't talk. We cyber. We're too cool for that. Uh, go on to go on to WCCLoans.com. There you can find all kinds of mortgage information. And you can click on Loan Center. Click on Apply Now. And put in as much information as you want. And uh, tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from uh, me or one of my teammates. And we will uh, contact you in any version of communication you want. Uh cell phone, work phone, home phone, uh teletype, uh telegraph, text, however you want to do it, smoke signals, uh, and we'll give you all the information that you want to help you fill fill in the missing pieces of your real estate financing puzzle. Whether you're refinancing or you're uh or you're buying or you're doing one of them reverse mortgage things, you want to talk to someone who thinks like you, listen to the show, and if it sounds like you and I think the same, then probably when you're ready to finance you call me some of you guys have called me and said you know i've been listening to you for years i listen every week and uh and you know i finally got to a point i need a reverse mortgage i finally got to a point i'm gonna buy another house i'm calling that ed hoffman guy so 855-640-2020 or wccloans.com um if you want to hear any part of the show repeated you can uh, go to edhoffman.net click on the podcast page and you can hear uh, all the show's there on demand. Uh you can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can actually subscribe to have it download onto your computer, your device for free once a week. Be sure to connect with the social with the show on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at ed Hoffman at Ed Hoffman, and uh where you can where I'll tweet about current events all week long. Sometimes more viciously than others. Sunday morning I was vicious. Uh Vicious, I was a vicious, I was patriotic and, and passionate on Sunday morning. Um, and, uh, you can uh, like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. There's gotta be a shorter version we can put on that page. Just seems like a long way to go. I should have thought of a, I should have thought of something more unique to call my show, but that was nine and a half years ago. So I'm not changing now. And, uh, don't forget about the main event listener hotline where you can leave me a voicemail and tell me what you think of the show. Leave me a message at 855 640 2092 eight, five, five. 640-2092, and I just might play your message on the show. I'm not going to sh- play any messages this week because I got a full show, and I got my uh, co-pilot in the studio with me, Mr. Scott McAfee, owner of uh, Don's Bikes in Rialto and, and Redlands, uh, one of the top 100 bike shops in the country. I guess that's two of the top 100 bike shops. Correct. And uh, Scott, welcome
3: to the show. And it's always a blast to be here. It's been like, what, four or five weeks? Since yeah, you've been I know. Here? I just, after a while, I just get, you know, kind of jonesing to get back on here, man. There's so uh-huh. much going on in the- world yeah well
2: sometimes our sometimes our schedules don't match that's true. but uh, but we're doing we're doing some fun stuff today yep so let us begin president trump embarked on his first official overseas trip this week visiting saudi arabia israel the vatican and the nato g7 summit in brussels as you might have heard this has been a pretty successful trip every step of the way and of course that's driving the media nuts i think he's hitting it out of the park
3: yeah, it's amazing. I thought his speech in Saudi Arabia was phenomenal. I did too. It's, yeah. uh I will tell you that's what.
2: You know what? Some most of you guys didn't see the whole thing because you didn't see it live, so you're seeing clips of it. And uh, because it was on, like at uh, I don't know six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning, our time. And uh, but I woke up a little before that and saw, and I was glued to the television. And uh, it was phenomenal. I just couldn't believe And, you know, I started tweeting about it, and you just saw, you know what, this is what we want to do, make America great again. And it just was so, it was, you know, pride. You know, the pride of watching our president tell it like it is. And he wasn't, he wasn't aggressive. He wasn't, he was presidential, but he didn't back down on any of the things that he believes and any of the things that we believe.
3: No, for sure. And and I think if you haven't seen it, it's worth going back and watching it rather than just little clips because it was so much that was so powerful. And I as I watched this that speech, I thought, who could really take issue with any of that? Of course, naturally, the, the lamestream media does because everything that Trump does is is wrong, inappropriate and buffoonish. But, you know, it was such a powerful speech. I don't I don't know where you could find fault with it. No. And, and he was standing in front of
2: in front of directly in the room with 50 uh, the leaders of of. Uh of the leaders of fifty Muslim countries right there. And uh he 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 didn't go as far as to uh to say, hey, you bunch of Muslims, you need to get out of here. You guys are all a bunch of dirty dirtbags. He didn't do that. But he was firm on, hey, this is your problem. You need to get involved with it. We're gonna protect our country. He didn't say it exactly like that, but he that's what he that's what he said, and he said it very politely, very respectfully. And uh, but very firmly, the media probably expected that uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, when he got to Israel the second day, would lavish uh, would lavish Trump uh, with uh, with the treatment that he got. But they didn't expect to see it in Saudi Arabia, like when uh, Saudi King Salman awarded him the color of Abdulaziz Al Saud, which for those of you that don't speak Arabic, that means, uh, which is me, uh, the kingdom's highest civilian honor. Here's CNN's Anna Cabrera on that.
4: Now, this lavish welcome,
3: very different than what President Obama got on his final visit there. The king did not greet President Obama.
2: Hard to imagine the king didn't come out to see uh, the other king, Obama. Uh, You know, when Trump gets a good reception from another country, there just has to be a downside. Something must be wrong. After all, isn't the world supposed to hate him? Let's go back to the CNN report where Anna Cabrera arose the claim that Trump's behavior with the Saudis was hypocritical.
3: Now, the president is catching some flack today for the video we showed earlier, him bowing to the Saudi king as he puts that medallion around his neck. Back in 2012, the president criticized then-president Obama for essentially doing the same thing. This is what President Trump uh, tweeted back then. He says, do we still want a president who bows to the Saudis and lets OPEC rip us off, make America strong, vote for Mitt Romney? And then today, even former Trump campaign advisor Roger Stone tweeted this in response to seeing trump bow candidly this makes me want to puke jared's idea he writes
2: well you know what i just don't see it that way because uh if the uh if the king gives you a a uh, award an honor and it, and it goes around your neck and you're six foot two or six foot four however tall trump is and he's obviously taller than king solomon um unless he's going to get a stepladder Somebody's going to have to. Uh, somebody's going to have to help out. He bends over a little bit to let the king put the thing over his over his head. I don't see that as
3: bowing. No, it's not. And it's funny because the first picture I saw of this, you didn't see the metal in the picture. You just saw him like kind of bowing a little bit, and I thought, oh, that's kind of a bummer. And then I realized what actually happened. It's like, oh, here we go again. More uh, more media nonsense just to try and make Trump look bad.
2: Photo uh, photo shopping. Yep. and and uh, yeah, it's. It's kind of it's kind of stupid that they're even saying, "Oh, he's bowing." It makes me want to throw up or whatever. Uh, whatever that guy said that used to be with the uh, Trump campaign. But uh, here's a su- surprising response from the United States ambassador to Saudi Arabia, James Smith, who, uh, believe it or not, was appointed by Obama.
1: Who has ever received any kind of medal or if someone has helped you with your necklace, you naturally lean over to help them with it. So th- th- this is not bowing. It's uh, uh, it- it's a silly commentary.
2: I mean, think about it. You know, you go to the Olympics, you get a, you get the gold medal. You're standing on the third rung. How do they, how do they put that medal over your head? Do they hand it to
3: you and then you put it on your head? No, you bow and then they put it on your head.
2: So I wonder if that means they're bowing. And where were where were the Olympics just at Brazil? Uh, yes. So were our gold medal people? Uh, let's see. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Phelps. Uh, mm-hmm.
3: Michael Phelps. Michael
2: Phelps. Yep. Michael Phelps got like eight or nine gold medals there. Was he, he kept bow- bowing
3: all the time? He's
2: bowing to the to the uh, <laughs> Olympic committee or to the government of Brazil. Who was it?
3: Hmm. Well, it wasn't Ryan Lochte. That's for sure. He blew that whole thing. Anyways. Uh.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a that's a whole other show
3: there. Yes, it is. Sorry. Um, so also
2: remember that uh, while he's over there, he clinched a uh, 110 billion dollar arms deal that people are talking about. Oh, he's doing an arms deal with Saudi Arabia. So understand that this arms deal started started with Obama, where the where the Saudis are buying an anti uh, ballistic missile system from Lo- I believe it's from Lockheed Martin, and apparently uh, and apparently just before they left. Uh, his son-in-law Jared Kushner uh, got Lockheed Martin to drop the price a little bit because the Saudis were they could you know during the Obama administration no one may, knew how to make deals work. Hey, you know we're going to make the deals. You do a little little massage uh, massaging here and there. Guess what? Hey, they dropped the price a little bit and the Saudis Saudis bought a hundred and ten billion dollar missile defense system from uh, from Lockheed Martin. I don't know. To me, that seems like a good thing. That's a whole bunch of American jobs. To produce that thing, I wonder, how, I wonder how long it takes to build a $110 billion missile defense system.
3: Not sure. Sounds pretty big, though.
2: But it sounds like a lot of jobs for a long time. Um, it seems like if we remember the Reagan years when we just ramped up all of our defense uh, contracts, uh, there was money flowing everywhere. Everybody was, uh, was enjoying life. Drop taxes. Everything, everything was was going down. So, so the, now they're but they're they're uh, trying to uh, to criticize uh, Trump for that. Remember, the deal started with Obama, and all we and all we did is had uh, had uh, the the president had his son in law negotiate the deal between uh, Lockheed and Saudi, and they closed it. So here's another CNN anchor who invented her own theory to explain why Obama never got this kind of treatment from the Saudis.
1: This has been uh, a very warm welcome comparatively to what we saw with uh, President Obama, Uh,
2: maybe because the president, President uh, Trump is not focusing so much on human rights, uh, alleged human rights abuses there in Saudi Arabia.
3: Hmm. Well, first of all, I don't recall Obama ever talking about human rights abuses in Saudi Arabia. The second thing is Obama never talked about terrorism, like Trump is. The other thing too is when you ask yourself, well, why does why does why is is President Trump getting different treatment? I think the one word that kind of summarizes it is called respect. I think they respect us now, Ed. Uh, that so respect, strength, all that stuff, and uh, and apparently
2: Saudi Arabia. You know, people say. Hey, on the travel ban, how come Saudi Arabia wasn't included in that? Because Saudi Arabia is sharing sharing uh, uh, intelligence with us. Well, hey, out of the out of the out of the the nineteen nineteen hijackers, was it nineteen? Yeah, nine yeah. eleven. Like uh, fifteen of them came from Saudi Arabia. They came from Saudi Arabia. They went to to uh, al Qaeda al Qaeda training camps in Afghanistan and uh, became a terrorist, but. They they actually toured after the after the I don't know if the speech was in the same building um, a terrorist financing targeting center that Saudi Arabia built and it's a big they got screens everywhere and they're 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 following uh, terrorist financing stuff and he talked about in his speech about actually shutting down their financing ability if they if the money can't move they can't move and uh, I was inspired yeah, I was but- inspired. Of course that has to be the only explanation why saudi arabia would be nice to our president that he didn't talk about uh, human human rights abuses president also spoke frankly about islamic terror while in saudi arabia listen to this and well you know what before we play that let's play obama how obama obama went on his tour his uh, overseas tour in 2009 right after he took office let's play just a couple of seconds of the stuff that he said eight years ago
5: my job to the muslim world is to communicate that the Americans are not your enemy. We sometimes make mistakes. We have not been perfect.
0: In America, there's a failure to appreciate Europe's leading role in the world. There have been times where America's shown arrogance and been dismissive, even
2: derisive. You know what? Let's just apologize that oh that America's too good and we just spike our football the place. Here's what Trump said.
1: There can be no coexistence with this violence. There can be no tolerating it, no accepting it, no excusing it, and no ignoring it. Every time a terrorist murders an innocent person and falsely invokes the name of God, it should be an insult to every person of faith. Terrorists do not worship God. They worship death. If we do not act against this organized terror, then we know what will happen and what will be the end result.
3: Uh, powerful stuff. I, knew, I think also one of the more powerful things that came out of Trump's speech was that he said, look, the U.S. can't fix this problem for you. You're going to have to fix it yourself, which is certainly part of the truth. It's it's not our responsibility to, to make things great throughout the world. Now, how receptive these world leaders were to Trump's message, I, I don't really know. It's obviously something that had to be said, though. So hopefully it does have an impact in terms of their policies and, and, and their attitude towards the problem that's 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 Stemming from their countries.
2: Exactly. And they have to, we have to get, you know, the bottom line is remember, we, hey, we killed Osama bin Laden in uh, 2012, was it? 2010. 2010, May, 2nd, May 1st, 2010. So almost 10 years after 9 11. So uh, we killed him. But here we are, here we are, uh, 16 years after 9 11. Now, Osama bin Laden's son, who's now 28, so he must have been a, a youngster when nine uh, eleven happened. He's he's vowing to avenge his father's death. You know what? They train these kids. They train these kids to be uh, to be terrorists from the time that they can walk, from the time that they can talk. We so we can kill all the people that come over here, and we can we can uh, catch them when they're here, and we can do all that stuff. We have to get it at the root of the problem, and we can't do that unless we just level the place and. I don't think I don't think the American people are gonna have the stomach for that. But like Trump said, the end result is, is if we don't deal with this, the end result's not gonna be pretty.
3: No. And it's something that, I mean, this is the biggest crisis facing the world right now. It's not climate change, folks. It ain't climate change. It's radical Islamic terrorism. And, and this is becoming more and more violent and more and more frequent. Even just today, as I was coming over for, for to do the show, uh, apparently 18 Coptic Christians were blown up in a bus. This is in Egypt. So th- this stuff happens every day. The, the thing we're going to talk about next in Manchester, that was just one example. But this stuff is happening every day. It's just not reported. And we're
2: and we're and it's just getting to the point where people are, are numb to it. You know, you hear about, oh, there's another attack. OK, uh, what time do the Dodgers play?
3: Yeah, uh, no, for sure. For sure. On,
2: you know, what's what's on Netflix tonight? Um, you know, and by now, by now, we all know that a timely I'm I'm surprised I haven't heard too many people saying that Trump timed this so perfect to have a have a terrorist attack the next day after he did that. So next day on Monday, the terror attack in uh, in England uh, at a pop concert killed 22 people. Most of them were young women and girls. Uh, within 24 hours, Manchester police had uh, named the suspected attacker as 22-year-old Salman Abedi. Salman Abedi. There's a there's a surprise. He's a British citizen of Libyan descent. Um, also, t- as of this moment, 10 people have been arrested total. Abedi died from the explosion. His father and brother have since been linked to the plot and arrested. The Islamic State, that's the media's uh, current name for ISIS, has a, or what uh, what used to be ISIL, or dash. I don't know all the words that the Democrats make up for this stuff. Uh, they've used the various websites to claim responsibility for Abedi's attack. According to Sebastian Bo- Sebastian Gorka, there is a good chance that they uh, chose this date symbolically because his tweet said, "Dates matter to jihadi terrorists." Let's hear uh, Dr. Gorka.
3: So
0: uh, terrorism in general, but specifically jihadi terrorism, isn't just about death, destruction, and murder. It's about symbolism. Look at 9-11. Uh, look at the um, event that happened yesterday. Look at the, the, symboli- the symbolism. You know, September 11th was a very important date in Islamic history. Uh, yesterday was the fourth anniversary of the brutal murder of Fusilier Rigby. Uh, and that's not a coincidence. These things matter. They take a lot of planning. 9/11 took years of planning. Yesterday's attack probably took at least months of planning, and they pick these days specifically.
2: So, for those of you who don't know who Fusilier Lee Rigby, he was a he was a British Army soldier murdered by two young converts to Islam on May twenty second, two thousand and thirteen. So four years four years to the date. And think about it: Benghazi happened on on 9/11, 2012, thousand twelve. Eleven years after after uh, the the towers fell. And yet Obama and Hillary decided that it was better to blame a YouTube video than acknowledge that dates matter to terrorists. Hey, maybe nine eleven maybe it should have been ramping up the ramping up the uh, security all over the world because it's nine eleven uh and you know that the terrorists put a lot of a uh, lot of emphasis on that date. President Trump first addressed the attack Tuesday from his press conference in Israel.
1: We stand in absolute solidarity with the people of the United Kingdom. So many young, beautiful, innocent people living and enjoying their lives murdered by evil losers in life. I won't call them monsters because they would like that term. They would think that's a great name. I will call them from now on Losers because that's what they are. They're losers. And we'll have more of them. But they're losers. Just remember that.
3: You know, Ed, what I find really disturbing is that is the reaction from a lot of the leaders, including Theresa May, and again we're having these candlelight vigils and we stand unified with them. What does all that mean? What What are these leaders going to do to protect these people going forward? It's got to be more than candlelight vigils. They've got to take some serious offensive action instead of this reaction where I guess Britain's on stage orange alert or whatever. They've got the military here and there. That's all reactive. Is that going to really do anything to protect these people from these attacks going forward? I'm even hearing comments like, you know, people of Europe just have to get used to this. This is the new normal. That's BS. That's BS.
2: I've heard comments that, hey... America has a chance to stop this, stop them, stop America from becoming Europe. But Europe, Europe blew it by opening their borders and letting everybody come in and not watching these people. Hey, we're almost out of time. Let me get this clip in from yep. uh, from Jay Sekula.
0: I mean, does anybody want to argue tonight that we shouldn't have an executive order restricting who's coming into the country so that we know who these people are? I mean, does anybody think that tonight? Does anybody want to argue that case tonight, that we should not know from these particular countries of origin who these people are before we let them into the United States of America? I'd like to take on that argument.
2: Yeah, me too, but we're going to do that in the second half of the, the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of uh, commercials, weather, and traffic, and we'll be right back with you. Part two. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk much about uh, real estate or financing on this show because most of you think it's boring. But the, for those of you that needed to refinance or purchase a home and need some financing or you need to do a reverse mortgage, if for those of you uh, seniors, you need to talk to somebody who uh, thinks like you. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. 855-640-2020. And for those of you that have an opinion on my show and want to voice it, call the listener hotline eight five five six four zero twenty ninety two. Okay, in the in the studio here with Scott McPhee of Don's Bikes and my uh, uh the my second the second. Uh, most important political comment t- commentator in the country. Just got to remember that your t- your official title.
3: Absolutely, I get it straight, please. I know it's uh, it just fumble <laughs> over those words.
2: You know what? I'm gonna have uh, Sherry from somewhere out in L.A. or something that's gonna that's going to uh, call me and tell me how bad am. You fumble all the time. Mm. So, sorry, but I tell it like it is. So uh, we were talking about uh, the travel ban. We just played that clip from uh, in the first half from uh, from Jay Seculo. And uh, he's talking about the travel ban. You know what? Think about this. Trump is trying to protect us. Let's stop the people from the Muslim countries from coming in until we can figure out how to vet them. And uh, you got three, four, I think we have four different uh, appeals courts have stopped it. And uh, Jeff Sessions has vowed to take it all the way to the Supreme Court. You know what? What's that going to do? What are you guys thinking? Democrats, do you think that it's going to help. Trump's trying to protect us by keeping the bad guys out. You know what? We're going to keep some good guys out too, but we're going to, he wants to keep the bad guys out till we can figure out who's coming in. How do we vet these people? How do we know who's who? How do we separate the two? Is there a test we can do? You know, it's a retinal eye scan or something that we can do to, to identify these guys to protect us. Until then, they're going to tie this thing up in court. And who knows it might be years before before we get this thing resolved, and who knows who's coming in in the in the meantime.
3: Well, yeah, this is probably one of the primary reasons why Democrats need to be removed from power. There is a certain self-destructive and I got to say suicidal tendencies that they have as far as protecting us. And this is life and death now, folks. This is not a joke. This is life and death. And when I look at Europe and I look at the United States, it's like, okay, what can you actually do to protect yourself? And I know you and I both have concealed permits. That's great, but that unfortunately is not going to stop a suicide bomber. It's not going to stop somebody from taking a car into a crowded area and mowing People down. So what can we do? Well, at the very least, at the very least, you do need to restrict and eliminate immigration from countries where this seems to be a problem. Europe hasn't done that. They're not going to do it. And you could make the argument Europe is pretty much done. I mean, it's only a matter of time. I don't see how Europe can survive these repeated attacks with no offensive, aggressive stance towards getting rid of the actual root of the problem. We in the United States at least have a chance. And thank God, thank God, we've got a president. President that's willing to take this issue head on and try and stop the, at least the immigration, and there you have the Democrat courts stopping it. Are they out of their minds? Ed?
2: Yeah, I think they are. And you know, and what people think? Oh, yeah, you guys are. You
3: guys are just making a.
2: You're trying to use scare tactics. Hey, it is a mathematical certainty that the Muslims are going to take over the world if we don't do something to keep them out of the United States. And you know why? Because uh, the average family, the average couple in the United States has two point three kids. The average family in Europe has 1.3 kids, and the average Muslim family has eight kids. What's that going to do ten years from now? What's that going to do twenty years from now? You know what? You can be the the biggest baddest guy out there. You can be uh, a Rambo or uh, or uh, you know uh, who I'm trying to think of some superheroes. But you know, 20, 20 guys against one,
3: you're going to lose. Yeah, it's just a matter of demographics. I mean, you could argue that Europe's going to kind of go away on its own anyways, because based on a lot of socialist policies that kind of... Um I should say, don't encourage people to have children. They're having fewer kids, and that means less of a population to be around. So you can have this aging population with who to look after them. Uh, You know, when I look at everything that's been going on, I mean, France's last chance was the election of Marie Le Pen, which they turned down. It was kind of a similar Trump versus Hillary type scenario. Well, they picked Hillary in France's case, and and that, to me, signed France's death warrant. It's only a matter of time before France will be completely unrecognizable.
2: Yeah, I was was thinking that someday I'd like to visit Paris and, you know, take my wife over there, enjoy some romance and the, all the stuff that's over there. And uh, I just think I may never, I may may never live to see. I don't, wouldn't feel safe going there at this point.
3: Sure. Well, Normandy school if you go. Go to Normandy.
2: Okay. The rest is eh. All right. Yeah. Well, if I'm gonna go to France, I'm gonna. You're
3: gonna see all the. But just stuff.
2: but you got all that you got all that danger. Maybe I should. Maybe you better I should go say, quick, Ed. Maybe I should. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be uh, bothered by that, but. You know, and then then I thought, hey, you know what? I'd like to go see Israel too. I'll go with a big group. And then what happened? What happened today? They bombed a whole group of a whole group of Coptic Christians. Uh, that was in Egypt. Yeah, that's not that far from uh, Israel, though. Right. If, well,
3: uh, Israel. You want to talk about safety, though? Israel's a very safe place to go. It's a hell of a lot safer than France or Europe at this point.
2: And fly uh, uh LL Airlines. Yep. Fly never, LL. Never, never Safest have a, airline in the world. Exactly. So uh, later in the week, uh, the British government is upset that a, a Betty... We, we, got off the, we got off the attacker in Manchester. Sorry. But later in the week, uh, British government's upset that his name was leaked to the media so quickly. And for some reason, they're blaming our president for the happening... British Prime Minister Theresa May was said to be very upset at the NATO summit in Brussels on Thursday, where her office said she would make clear to President Trump that intelligence that is shared between our law enforcement agencies must remain secure. So, what's she so upset about? Here's Chris Wallace.
4: What they're specifically concerned about is that there were links of the name uh, of the bomber. Uh, and also uh, videos, pictures that showed some of the key elements of the bomb. You'd say, well, why did that matter? Because a lot of this was being leaked here in America by intelligence services that had gotten it from the Brits, uh, just as the British police, British law enforcement were raiding various apartments, were trying to roll up the network of people involved in the savage attack in Manchester, and to the degree that the name of the people or some of the components uh, were, were disclosed, that uh, conceivably people would go to ground would hide uh, and and would understand that they were now uh, being searched for that they were under suspicion so uh, it, it really interferes with the effectiveness the ability of British law enforcement to try to roll up this terror network
2: so I wonder just uh, why is it uh, why is she so sure that it's our government or uh, president Trump specifically anything to do with that being leaked why not the british intelligence agency you know what uh, and i i hope that i hope that uh you guys remember uh before trump took office he had a meeting with some uh with some high level security guys homeland security or fbi or something in his office and he was getting leaks to the to the uh to the to how did, how did the newspapers know he was having these meetings so he had a meeting and didn't tell any of his staff because he thought maybe it was his staff at at the Trump Tower. And so he had he had a meeting and didn't tell anybody.
3: Well, the point they, is, there's a whole lot of Obama, there's a whole lot of Obama holdovers that need to get out of there. They need to clean house now. Yes, they do. Um, but but that was at the Trump Tower. But the but oh, but that was the Trump Tower.
2: He didn't tell anybody, and it still leaked. So he knew it was someone within the within the intelligence community and. And what's leaking out of the White House, that's still, hit. still uh, what he needs to do, clean house. In response, President Trump released a statement. The alleged leaks coming out of government agencies are deeply troubling. These leaks have been going on for a long time, and my administration will get to the bottom of this. The leaks of sensitive information pose a grave threat to our national security. I'm asking the Department of Justice and other relevant agencies to launch a complete review of this matter. And if appropriate, the culprit should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Prosecuted for doing something against the law? Hmm. What's Sounds that familiar. about? Yeah, I don't know, Ed. I don't know either. So uh, let's go on to uh, the next thing that was going on. Uh, the next day was Tuesday. We're all the way up to Tuesday now. The White House delivered uh, the president's proposed 2018 budget titled A New Foundation for American Greatness. Now, you may have heard this call by another name uh, this week. Here's uh, Mick Mulvaney, the uh, uh, head of Office of Management and Budget.
5: As I read through it over the weekend, as I did, um, in fact, we've been working on this since before, uh, before I actually got here, it, it struck me that the title should have been different, that the title should have been uh, A Taxpayer First Budget, um, because that's what this is. Um, and as I was trying to reconcile those two things, well, it's called the New Foundation for American Greatness, but I wanted to call it the Taxpayer uh, First Budget, it struck me that that was what was really new, or one of the things that was new about this budget. Um, That we looked at this budget through the eyes of the people who were actually paying the bills. I think for years and years, uh, we've simply looked at a budget in terms of the folks who are on the, the back end of the programs, the recipients of, of the taxpayer money, and we haven't spent nearly enough time focusing our attention on the people who pay the taxes. Um, I got a couple questions yesterday, I know I will today, about compassion. <laughs> compassion needs to be on both sides of that equation. Yes, you have to have compassion for folks who are receiving the federal funds, but also you have to have compassion for the folks who are paying it.
2: Exactly. You know, there was an uh, editorial in the Press Enterprise, um, I think it was Thursday and responding to an article that was on the front page of the, uh, of the press enterprise, um, earlier in the week where they showed a, they showed all boo hoo. Here's an illegal immigrant. Tried to get his green card. He used a phony name. He'd, he'd done whatever he'd done and, and they, and they deported him and oh my God, poor wife and kids. They deported him for breaking the law. What about the legal people? What about the legal people? This what the editorial was about uh, in uh, Friday's newspaper. Was was uh, what about the legal immigrants that actually waited in line and did everything legal and came into legal? You're you're spitting in the in their face when you when you when you sympathize with these guys that break the law and they just sneak in here and oh we're going to split up their family. They did it. We didn't do it. What about the guys that that they're stealing from? What about the uh, those of us taxpayers that have to pay half our paycheck? To support these people,
3: yeah. Try—I was going to say—try and go into an emergency ward lately and see what you encounter. I mean, it's full with undocumented people. I can, don't know for sure, but I can kind of tell. Uh, regarding this Mulvaney guy, I don't know. I, I don't know if I like this guy. He makes way too much sense. I know he, he explains about hey, you know, what? we can't just think about the bills we have to pay. We got to think about how much income we have coming in
2: to pay those things. That's how you—you you know what—the the trick to balancing your checkbook, guys, and those of you that. That uh, even write checks anymore. But the trick to making sure that you've got enough money to pay your bills, that you re- that you don't run out of uh, out of month before you run out of money, or you run out of money before you make sure you don't run out of money before you run out of month, is is not just getting out your calculator and your checkbook and putting them on the table. You actually got to calculate things, and you got to say, okay, I got my paycheck, I get this much, and I got these bills, what can I afford to spend, and I have to pay this, have to pay that, and that leaves me this much. Okay, I guess I can't eat steak every night. I have to eat hamburgers some night, or some hot dogs, or I don't know. Uh, That's why they invented Top Ramen and Plain Wrap Hot Dogs, as I remember uh, my younger years. It's called living within your means, Ed. Exactly. So uh, that's something America is not, not too much about. And I don't want to go into my conversation with my sister on. Uh, but, don't go know, there, Ed. She go, don't she, go there. We had a nice uh, <laughs> argument over that. Oh, Trump doesn't care about people or the environment. So uh, Mulvaney also explained that unlike uh, annual federal budgets that we saw under Obama, this budget actually balances
5: itself. The last time we looked, we couldn't find a President Obama budget that balanced ever. I think he tried a couple times to convince us that primary balance, which was balance without regard for interest payments on the debt, was balanced. We reject that. We get to an actual balance on this budget um, within the 10-year window. It begins to reduce the size of the debt relative to the size of the economy in year one. OK, that's 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 how important it was and is to this president to try and bring some fiscal discipline. Again, if you're looking through the perspective of the people who pay, you'd like to be able to tell them at some point in the foreseeable future, you're going to be able to balance. The Previous administration completely gave up on that.
2: And, uh, you know, when it came took time, when it was time to take questions, a reporter asked Mulvaney about the proposed cuts to Medicaid when Mulvaney explained it's not a cut at all.
5: In Washington DC, if you spent $100 last year on something, okay? And we spent $100 on it this year on that same thing, in Washington people call that a cut. Okay? 100 last year, 100 this year, y'all call it a cut. In fact, I've seen several occasions where we spent $100 last year and $102 this year and many people will still call that a cut because the budget is hardwired by the congressional budget office to go up every single year. And if the congressional office budget office says we spent 100 dollars last year and we're supposed to spend 106 dollars this year, for a lot of people anything less than 107 is a cut. In fact, I've actually heard 106 referred to as a freeze because it simply stays in line with the Congressional Budget Office. A classic example of how Washington speaks differently than the world back home. So a couple things about Medicaid. Okay, there are no Medicaid cuts in the terms of what ordinary human beings would refer to as a cut.
2: And there's also been a lot of criticism that the president is cutting money from the federal SNAP, which is a supplemental nutrition, nutritional assistance program, uh, otherwise known as food stamps. Here's uh, here's Mulvaney's response.
5: 42 million Americans, I think, I thought it was 44. I'll take your word for it on 42. It is. I think the high um, was 47, and that was during the recession. Pre recession, the numbers were as low as 28. It spiked during the recession, okay, which you would expect on a counter cyclical program like food stamps. During bad economic times, more people will go on to food stamps, so it's completely. Within reason, to look at that number, it went from 28 million on food stamps before the recession to 47 at the height. It's 44 or 42 today, yet here we are eight years removed from the end of the recession. We've had economic growth, albeit slow. We're at what we consider to be full employment, with the, of the limitations of U3 and U6. Why is the number still that high? Is it possible? If, if, if you're paying for it, isn't it reasonable for you to at least ask the question: Are there people on that program who shouldn't be on there? And shouldn't it be up to the government to make sure we can look folks who are paying the taxes in the eye and say, you know what? We did everything we could to make sure that everybody on SSDI is really disabled. We don't think that's unreasonable. In fact, we think that is the definition of compassionate, a compassion that is balanced between the people who get the benefits and the people who pay them.
3: Ed, a couple thoughts on this. Uh, One thing that I appreciate about this guy is he takes the complex. And let's face it, the United States budget is an extremely, incredibly complex thing. I mean, you know how difficult it is to look at our own budgets with our own small businesses. It can be staggering looking at where money's coming and going. But I I really appreciate someone who can take something this complex and make it easy for most folks to understand the general concepts he's trying to get across. It makes sense. The second thing is his last point there. It's difficult to get people off of dependence once they're on it, even if they don't need it anymore. It's got to be probably easier to get off of heroin than it is government dependence, because that's your entitlement. You've been getting those checks. You've been getting those perks, those food stamps, Section 8, whatever. It is very difficult to get people off that garbage once they've been on it for a long time.
2: Exactly. If you remember, uh, Dennis Prager said at the United IE con- uh, uh, conference uh, three, four weeks ago that he said the, big, the, the, the worst addiction in this country is not to opiates or, or, uh, or alcohol. It's free stuff. And it's the hardest thing to, to get to, to get people off. It kind, of remi- it kind of reminds me of a clip from a movie that I love called Remember the Titans. Now, I may be a mean cuss, but I'm the same mean cuss with everybody out there on that football field. The world don't give a damn about how sensitive these kids are, especially the young black kids.
0: You ain't doing these kids a favor by patronizing them.
3: You're crippling them. You're crippling them for life.
2: Yep. It's not doing, we're not doing anybody any good by giving them free stuff. We're not, we're not giving, we're not helping our, anybody in our country by making it easy on them because the life isn't easy. America's a, you know, the land of equality. Everybody has equal opportunity. We don't all get equal results. They're not guaranteed equal results and we need to stop giving free stuff away and crippling our our United States citizens by giving them free stuff and getting them used to. It's the same thing. You go up to Mammoth and there's don't feed our bears stickers all over the place. You know why? Cuz they got a bunch of black bears up there and if you give them food, they'll forget how to hunt. They'll forget how to how to uh, how to uh, make themselves survive. We're killing the bears by giving them food. Stop killing our people by giving them free stuff and worrying. oh,
3: my sister says, you know what when they cut the snap program, so many people are gonna go hungry. no they're not they're gonna go to work. Look any of these programs whether that have names like snap or chip, these, these acronyms, they all need to go. They need to go. They've got these cute little names
2: go. And you know what? I think about it. The churches, uh, the churches, and everybody. You know what? We get we give money to the. Uh, we don't have to take, lower our taxes. We'll give money to the hungry people, to the homeless food banks, to the you know the the mission. You know, feed people that are, volunteer their time to feed the homeless people out there. You know what? Hungry people will get fed.
3: Well, and here's the problem too: is when you get the government involved, as opposed to private charities, where just about all of the money goes to where it should. When you get the government involved, you have this intermediary party, and they waste a ton of money in the process. So you have all these government agencies designed to take taxpayers' money, distribute it to those who are "quote deserving," but but all that mo- a lot of it gets wasted in government bureaucracy. And let's remember, let's remember that in Maine, about a year and a half, two years
2: ago, the governor changed the the rules that if you're on supplemental, uh, if you're on SNAP supplemental nutritional assistance program that you had to work part-time in one of their programs uh 24 hours a week or something or you needed to do uh eight hours a week in community service and within 90 days 75 percent of the of the people that were on those roles dropped off
3: (laughs) so i guess they didn't really need it huh Apparently not. It's just too much of a hassle to get it. Maybe they'll just go ahead and get a real job. It's easier. But let's get on to Comey because we're running out of time. Uh, on Wednesday, Washington Post reported
2: that an unreliable, possibly fake Russian intelligence document played a role in FBI Director James Comey's handling of the Clinton email investigation. So if you're one of those people who cried Comey was treated unfairly by the president, thinks he shouldn't have been fired, listen up. Here's uh, Fox's Peter Ducey who will try to explain it, and then I'll try to break it down to you.
4: The problem with this document is that apparently it lists a bunch of conversations and people who do not know each other and say these conversations never happen. The Washington Post reports that the former FBI director relied on what he believed to be this Russian document filled with allegations, including that former Attorney General Loretta Lynch told a Clinton campaign staffer that the email investigation would not go too deeply. And this report alleges that is why. Comey went around DOJ and decided on his own to outline the case against Clinton in public. But the FBI apparently was never able to confirm all of the details in that document. And they allege still that Comey used it.
2: So what all that mumbo jumbo means is Washington post uh, alleged that there was a Russian document, uh supposed email describing, you know, the Russian document is a Russian document. So it's an email that somebody hacked and they and they and they disclosed why is that a Russian document
3: I have no idea does Comey read Russian or I don't know
2: it's hmm. it probably came out on Wikipedia and it had an email that described how Attorney General Loretta Lynch had privately assured someone in Clinton campaign that the email investigation would not push too deeply into the matter so allegedly Comey read this Russian document who said it's Russian Loretta Lynch sent an email to Hillary Clinton and they they spoke Russian so people wouldn't understand them. I don't understand where that's coming from. It's all BS. So all the Democrat and CNNs and PMS NBCs out there, get off of it. You have no evidence to all. Oh, you just want to smoke and mirrors. You can't believe
3: Hillary lost. Here's my advice to the Democrat Party. And I always resented when Democrats gave us advice on how to win. You know, they'd say, oh, if you just let go of that pro-life stance, you guys maybe could have a chance of winning. I always resented that advice because, of course, they don't want Uh us to win. But now I have some advice for the Democrats. You ready? If you want to continue to have any hope whatsoever, let this Russian crapola go. There is nothing there. And the more you hang on to this and waste time on this, you're just bearing your own party. It's going nowhere. There's nothing there.
2: So, the the allegations say that Comey read this thing. Said that he read this email and assumed that Loretta Lynch promised Clinton that it wasn't going to go anywhere. So he decided to outline everything on July fifth of two thousand sixteen and laid it out and said, "I don't think there's any reason to to uh, to that no reasonable prosecutor would have would have thought there was a case here." After he laid out the case perfectly, I thought um, I was mad when I heard it. I was in Philadelphia. At my sister's house. And uh, I was mad about that. Hey, you just laid out the thing. Now you say you're not going to prosecute. What's wrong with that? So it's all alleged. Um, You know, the Washington Post is a left-leaning paper whose current motto is, Democracy dies in darkness. Does that mean that if we don't know everything about everything... Dies in darkness, and then they blow all the smoke up our butts. So, ironically, just I was just in process of digging up some facts on Comey this week. Uh, someone sent me an email, and I said, "Hey, let's let's research this." Um, here's some here's some stuff you don't hear too often from reliable sources. I'm going to name each one as we go. CNN Politics blog in 2002. I mean, think about this. In 2002, Comey, then a federal prosecutor, took over the investigation into President Bill Clinton's 2001 pardon of financier Mark Rich, who had been indicted on a laundry list of charges before fleeing the country. The decision set off a political firestorm focused on accusation that Rich's ex-wife Denise made donations to the Democrat Party, the Clinton Library, and Hillary Clinton's 2000 Senate campaign as part of the plan to get Rich off the hook. Comey ultimately decided not to pursue the case, the kicker is, Comey himself had overseen Rich's prosecution between eighty-seven, and ninety-three. So, so Comey prosecuted this guy. He knew what he did, and then he didn't pursue the the case into, into allegations that there might have been some uh, some backroom uh, dealings between the Clintons and the Democrats. And uh, nobody thought that was a problem.
3: Look, to summarize all this, Ed, Comey is not our homie, and he needed to go.
2: Exactly. Hey, we're out of time for this episode of the the main event. Scott, thanks for helping me out this week. Ed, it's always a blast. Hey, uh, you guys keep listening. Remember the listener hotline, 855-640-2092. If you have an opinion you want to express, maybe I'll play it on the radio.
5: My name is Ed Hoffman.